did that just happen? I just interviewed Bobby Brown. Yes, Bobby Brown, the famous makeup artist who now has her new business, Jones Road. And I might have just cried and uh, we tested out her mascara, which isn't waterproof, but it didn't run. And it is definitely one of the best mascaras I've ever, ever tried. This was one of those moments where for three years I've had her picture up on my wall, dreaming that one day I might get to interview her. And it's just happened. And my goodness, what a story, what a woman. And to actually hear her story now in her new business, where she's free to be the most creative Bobby Brown that has ever existed, was a true honour. It is a moment where we can actually listen to someone after three decades of being in an industry, doing it again, about really what matters and really what it takes. This is one of the best interviews that I've done and I can't wait to hear what you think. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown I'm Holly Tucker and welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Back in 2006, I founded Not On The High Street for my kitchen table and since then I've gone on to launch Holly & Co. I'm the UK ambassador of Creative Small Businesses and I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. My dream is to help everybody start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom and encouragement. And in my view, the best way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to my favourite small businesses, entrepreneurs and those who simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. Here are my conversations of inspiration. Hi, Bobby. Such an honour to meet you. Uh, not that you'll know this, but I've been speaking about interviewing you for the last three years since I've started this podcast. So your ears might have been burning, but welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. So nice to talk to you. I'm so glad it only took three years. Yes, it's perfect. Now, we're going to jump right in because your name is synonymous with the beauty industry. You know, you've created one of the most pioneering brands of our time. And recently, you've done it again. I'm lucky enough to have received a little parcel. So right now I'm wearing everything Jones Road. But you launched it last October in the middle of the pandemic. Tell me what the experience has been like for you this time, 30 years after founding your first brand, because it must be like returning to your entrepreneurial roots. You know what, you're you're saying it completely because I started as a young founder of this makeup brand And by the time I left, I was a corporate employee. And so when I left and had an opportunity to do this again, the rules have changed. The entire world has changed. And it's been so amazing combining my 30 years of experience and knowledge with this new world. So I'm as excited as I was early on, probably not as um, stressed because I take things in a much simpler way now. We'll talk about it in a moment, but not the same level as you, Bobby, but I'm an entrepreneur and I'm doing it again as well. And it's been 16 years between my birth of my first business baby and my second. So I can really 
sort of empathise with what you're saying here. I understand that feeling that you are more potentially braver and bolder now. I mean, you've now released this new brand to us, Jones Road, with just nine products. You know, you've got this lifetime worth of experience. But basically, I know when reading about you, you wanted to create something that was like the makeup equivalent of a Swiss army knife, which I absolutely love. Um, this sort of thought. Tell me about this. Well, as a makeup artist and someone who's always in a mad rush doing 25 things at the same time from dropping a kid off to school, doing my makeup in the car, running on a live TV. I mean, I always had my my personal life and my business kind of, you know, bump into each other. You just whatever's in your bag, you pull it out and use it for whatever. Someone yesterday said, oh, my God, I'm using the Jones Road eyebrow pencil to do a smoky eye. I'm like, sure, why not? You know, why not? So that's how I've always used makeup, and I want women to do the same. There is also a side to this new brand, which was about basically creating clean beauty. Now, am I right to say, on your website, you said, we follow guidelines even more stringent than those of the EU to eliminate over two 1,700 potentially harmful ingredients from our formulas. I think people listening wouldn't even understand how that was even possible. Is this something that is really at the heart of this new journey? You know, honestly, the heart of Jones Road is creating the best formulas that allow a woman to do her own makeup and basically in two seconds look so much better. When I went started to create a brand, I, I saw that there was an opportunity in the clean space. But as someone who is organically a health nut, uh, you know, I pay attention to all those things on a personal level. It wasn't even a thought to do a traditional formulas. I do not want to be known as the spokesperson for the clean movement. I follow it. I believe in it. And I, you know, and I know that there's some people out there that think it's, you know, a crock, and that's fine. I want to be known for creating the best products mm. and the end, that I've helped women feel, you know, great in their skin, feel comfortable in their skin. And the 2700, which probably changes all the time, is a list that is on the Credo list. And Credo is a, a very um, up incoming department store chain that only sells clean makeup. Wow. I was very fortunate to have gotten the list, the Credo list, before I even knew I was going to start a new brand. So every time I'd go into a lab, I would hand them the list that they'd never seen because it's such a new industry. And, you know, a lot of different formulators and a lot of different, you know, product developers that I hired, we finally landed on making that list a reality, that there's none of those in, in this brand. and But honestly, that's not why I did this. Mm -hmm. It's really about the makeup, not about the lack of chemicals. I mention it because actually there's so many things this new brand, is as you said, is about. It's the clean side. It's the simplicity. It's the empathy of your customer who you've obviously got to know incredibly well over the years. As I mentioned, you know, I've had my own journey from my first business baby to my second. And so my next question is actually something that, you know, is very personal to myself. You actually launched Jones Road on the day that your 25-year non-compete with Estee Lauder expired. And I heard you even had a necklace, and this made me actually quite emotional, just my own experience, 
with the date etched onto it that you wore it, um, almost allowing you to have that moment with you. And also my business, Not on the High Street, did a lot of personalised necklaces, Bobby. So mm. th- again, I'm sort of getting this here. Right. And you wore it always thinking of your passion for beauty and cosmetics. How has it been for you being back in that driving seat? I can imagine it's quite a, um, I say emotional in the sort of non-cry way, but Mm. quite a spiritual moment for you to be able to do this all over again. Well, it's really funny, and I'm sure you probably could relate. Like when you're involved in something, you don't realize what stress you're under, what angst you're under. You don't realize it. And when you're not in it, and you feel different. And by the way, people would tell me I looked different. My, you know, my eyes looked clear, my skin looked better because I think I had less stress in my life. So I did still have to carry with me after I left the brand. I had four and a half years left on this 25-year non-compete. And by the way, I'm not very patient. Mm. I'm just traditionally not a patient person. I didn't have a choice. So I I did buy the charm that sat with my charms of my three sons, my husband, my dog, and a peace sign. I, you know, I was probably making a lot of noise walking around. But on the other, on one side of the charm was an ampersand sign. So to me, it's like an, okay, next chapter, and. And then I put the the 10.20, and we launched Jones Road the day the non-compete was up, one week before the presidential election, in the middle of Me Too, in the middle of Black Lives Matter, in the middle of the pandemic, and no one was going to stop me. Mm. People said, don't do it. You should wait. And I'm like, what am I waiting for? Do we think the world's going to be better in January? There's always something. And, you know, that is the truth. What does it feel like right now being in your new business, baby? Are you feeling fulfilled again? I mean, I'm not saying, and I know you've had other businesses during this time, but, you know, are you coming home? Well, first of all, I've never been happier. I've just never been happier. I feel the world of excitement, possibilities. There's nothing dragging me down. But I also feel an enormous amount of anxiety because the brand is growing way quicker than any of us anticipated. And we're catching up with you know, staff, we, mm-hmm. we have to build our team. And, you know, we have this amazing, I'm looking around, brilliant young team. You know, there's not many veterans except myself. Yeah. You know, so it's like when you take the knowledge of what to do with what you can do is amazing. But the other thing I learned leaving a big corporation is I've also learned what not to do what not to waste money and time on. I don't know if you have the same experience. I do. Yeah. (laughs) It's liberating. You know, you just, you and you also, I don't know about you, Bobby, I see it happening. I call it like moths to a flame. Mm. You know, there's something about when potentially you're bringing a team together and everyone's had their own experience in corporations, they come together and there's sort of like a a way that you do things. Mm. And you sort of sit on the sidelines and you go, "Uh uh-oh, I know exactly what, (laughs) I know we're about to become a meetings company Uh where we're going to just be stuck in back-to-back meetings. So, you know, I've just created a rule now. We have 15-minute meetings maximum. You stand up. You do not sit down. We are not blocking our diary. And it's so liberating. The battle scars that you have worn and have are there for a really positive purpose moving forward. How about you? Well, it's definitely the same thing. And I am the person, you know, on an email chain that picks up the phone. 
and says, this might be easier. And literally in three minutes, we have discussed it and come to a decision. And that's, that's what I'm teaching my team now. Because I, first of all, I'm not on the, on the team Slack channel because I would go out of my mind. Like they Slack each other, but they're sitting across from each other at the table. So I, they're, they're keeping me off of it. So, um, you know, my son works for, for me. So he kind of, you know, gives me a little background and he's like, mom, you don't want to be on it. He knows me. Yeah. I, it's just a brilliant thing. Do you think that, you know, when you're looking at your business now, and I know you've been reported to say, you know, we don't have big budgets. We don't have big meetings. We don't have all the things that so many things people have to deal with. You know, we, we are able to get together, make that decision, change the color. And, you know, from, I think, you mentioned that from um, from your days at Bobby Brown, where something might take four years, am I right in saying that? Four yep. years to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about four months, right. which seems to fit with your your energy now. And by the way, someone will say to me, okay, this should take us four months. And then we put it on the calendar. And if two weeks before, it's not going to come together we change it because guess what? We are we don't have retailers. Mm. We we don't even have investors. My husband and I started this company, so we don't even have investors. Like, so what if we move it in a month? Ugh. And sometimes I'll look at the calendar and what's happening because you know, I don't know where you got nine products. I think we have so many more than nine products now. I'm not even sure, but there's so much going on that sometimes I'm like, can we just hold this a week or two? Mm. Can we, like, what is the big deal? I think I was talking about when you launched. Oh, right. Okay, great. When, when we when launched. You launched. Yes. Oh, no, your site is, for, I mean, I've just been popping them all in my basket. Uh-huh. But when you launched, I was yes, saying, when we you launched, had the courage did, yes. to just be really, really focused on yes. a few things done very, very well. Yes. And by the way, we launched with Miracle Balm that could have been the entire company. Wow. You know, and then we launched with the black mascara that, is not just the best clean black mascara, but it's the best mascara I've ever used. And I hear that from other people. It's the best mascara I've ever used. I have taken every single, Aww. and I had seven of them, Aww. and I am only using yours. And I'm, and again, I'm not just saying, you know, yeah. uh, genuinely, it yeah. is phenomenal. So tell me about the things that you've done differently this time round. You know, I'm again, talking to someone who has not the same level of experience in your right. huge organization. Right. But there is a a sense when this podcast, you know, Bobby is going out to a lot of people who are maybe dreaming about starting a business, run their own business, but they're a micro business. You know, they're doing it themselves. They're wearing all the hats every day. From your experience going from what you've learned to now this, what are some of the key things that you've brought over? Well, I certainly don't waste money. So I don't hire consulting people. I, you know, we do it ourselves. I mean, I hired Blanket PR in the UK because they're just the coolest. First of all, I don't want that uh, too many cosmetics companies calling them because I want to be their big baby, but they're just amazing. They have the same energy. But mostly we hire people to do things consultants, freelancers, but we don't waste money on strategists, on you know, consultants, and we don't have giant press parties. Mm -hmm. If there's anything, I do a Zoom with, you know, a press person that wants to interview me or I'm on the phone with them. And if they want some of the product, I will send it to their house. Yeah. Because, you know, we don't do these big giant send outs. We don't pay influencers to promote the brand. Mm -hmm. You know, my friends happen to have influence and they love the products and they write about them. 
again, I'm looking at the differences, you know, wearing black suits, high heels to meeting, and you didn't feel like yourself. And for those who are listening here, they know that um, four years ago, I ditched the heels, I ditched the double spanks, and I put on a pair of glitter trainers <sighs> to show women that you can be a very successful businesswoman and wear glitter trainers to a boardroom or I wear them to number 10 Downing Street or, you know, to meet the PM. And that is okay. And, you know, you said that actually over time you realise the most important thing that you could ever do in your business and in your life is to be who you are. And I think that us women, we do tend to, especially in business, and we're trying to change that, fit into what can be a very male-dominated world or one that we've seen before where a woman looks a certain way or behaves a certain way within business. Is this also something that you've gone through a journey with? A hundred percent. And it's honestly why I wanted to launch Jones Road. I realized after I left Bobby Brown Cosmetics, I ditched the high heels. I ditched the crew that followed me around to make sure I always looked perfect the makeup artist that touched up the makeup I did, the hairdresser, the stylist, the publicist, you know, the teams of people. And I promoted my ninth book called Beauty from the Inside Out by myself. I would go to, you know, one of those blowout places, get a blowout. I would do my makeup. I would have my jeans on and a blazer because I look thinner in a blazer on TV. I wore sneakers. I'm five foot tall. Mm -hmm. I, I knew I had a, lo a lot of running around to do. And I took Ubers. I didn't have a driver. And I sat on couches on TV and I promoted my book. And I realized, oh, my God, this is so much more me. Mm. And then when I had meetings, I had my sneakers on. You know why? Because I wanted to then run to a store nearby and I didn't want to be uncomfortable. So I, I realized I was living my life better. My skin looked better. I looked better. And I'm like, you know what? I have to teach women, this is how you wear makeup. Mm. You might want red lipstick and a cat eye or a smoky eye, but it could still be you and not be a whole mm -hmm. 10 step as I used to do it. So no, it's a very different world. And tell me about the confidence for someone listening right now, potentially Bobby, not with a driver and a makeup artist, and, right. you know, but right. that same feeling that they they can't possibly be them. Mm -hmm. You know, they have right. to be someone else to be able to do this journey. Because I'm with you. I'm the happiest version of myself. I feel like I'm the Elias Morissette of the Holly from years ago, mm -hmm. wearing caftans and glitter trainers wow. and, you know, and jewellery and everything. Because and actually that's having a fantastic effect on my business. Mm -hmm. It's actually having a really positive effect on business to be exactly who I am. How do people get the courage to do that? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you exactly how to do it because people always wonder, oh my God, what, how can I be confident? How did you get confident? I finally realized I had an aha moment when I was at the Met Gala, the Met Ball in New York, and I was, you know, the most insecure person talking to Anna Wintour, looking at, you know, all these fabulous designers. And I realized... I can't compare myself to other people, number one. And number two, what is confidence? Confidence is being comfortable in your skin. That is it. When I realized, okay, this is who I am. I'm okay with it. And let me be the best version of myself. 
and let me wear clothes that are comfortable. I don't want to starve myself into a fabulous outfit. You know, I want to just find clothes that fit my body, that are, but that I could move in. And for me, being comfortable means everything. And when I'm comfortable, I am confident. Mm. You know, I'm not 100% there. I mean, I still wish I was, you know, 5'4". <laughs> you know, when I go to parties, I literally disappear. So I will wear my, you know, Gucci platforms. So at least I'm 5'2 or 5'3". And, you know, my pants look better. And I kind of make jokes about myself because that's who I am. I take pictures with really tall people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would, I wish, I, I don't wish I was six foot tall. I wish I was five, four, five, five, which is crazy. If you wouldn't mind, I would love just to take a little step in into the past and go back just a little bit to your entrepreneurial journey when you first arrived in New York in 1980. You were a professional makeup artist. Your natural approach to makeup stood out even then. And in fact, it led to your business being founded because you were feeling frustrated by basically the lack of shades. Now, you know, we have to remember this is back in 1980 now because now we potentially have a lot of choice. You had a chance encounter with a chemist who helped you develop your first lip colour. Then you went on to sell it and 100 were sold in the first day. Would you mind just telling us this sort of iconic story of how you began? Well, first of all, when I landed in New York City, I wasn't a makeup artist. Ah. I wanted to be a makeup artist. I didn't know what it meant to be a makeup artist. I waitressed a year after college, which I recommend to people because I knew I could support myself. And when I arrived in New York, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have a portfolio except pictures of myself and my brothers and sisters that I would make up. And I just opened up the yellow pages and looked up modeling agencies, models. I made a lot of calls and I started learning what I needed to do to be a makeup artist. I wanted to be hired. I called makeup artists, and eventually I started working, not getting paid a lot of money, but at least I started, you know, meeting people and doing things, assisting. I'd meet the assistant editor, and eventually I did become a freelance makeup artist, and it was a struggle because I wasn't doing the kind of makeup that was very popular that people expected you to do. Mm. So I started doing this thing, which was making a foundation match the skin. Okay. You know, that was like controversial at the time. And it it didn't exist. Well, first of all, it didn't exist. There was no foundation that matched people's skin. So I had to mix and blend things to get it to look natural. I had an eye for it, so I figured it out. And I wanted, when I put a blush on, I wanted it to blend on the cheeks. Like, and that didn't exist. So I didn't realize there was an opportunity then, but I also would try to find a lipstick that looked like the model's lips. That didn't, I mixed and blended. And then one day I was at a shoot and there was a chemist who told me about these lipsticks he was making. And I said, I had an idea. Could you make this for me? And I told him, and back and forth we sent it, and I finally ended up with the color that was the color of my lips. And I thought, oh, my God, this is revolutionary. I bet I could sell this. I didn't realize that everyone has different color lips. So the one that looks like natural on my lips would probably be orange or dark on your lips. So then I started thinking about all my friends, all my models, nannies I knew from other countries, and I started thinking about all their lips, and I made a color for each of the lips. 
that's how I started. And it was, I just, it's just unbelievable, really, to think. Someone also asked if they could write, um, is that right, in Glamour magazine, they asked if they could write about your lipstick collection. And you were like, why would you want to do that? And now you sort of realise what that's called PR. And you actually put your home phone number in this article. I mean, this really does show you you know, where you were coming from. It was such a, you know, I always say naivety is the most beautiful thing when creating a business, you know, when it's just so pure and innocent and actually you go into places that you wouldn't do now necessarily. I don't know, Holly, I'm still as naive. I'm smarter, but I'm very naive. I don't think things aren't going to work out. And if they don't work out, it's just for me a message to do it differently. Mm. You started with, let's say, not classic business experience. So, it was this entrepreneurial gumption that was keeping you going. That trusting your gut through the journey that you've gone through, would you say that, again, you're coming back to a place where you're trusting your gut more or that potentially the journey that you were on didn't allow you to trust your gut as much because you had the padding of corporate life? Well, I've always trusted my gut, but during that trust in my gut, I also depended on my posse, whoever was around me. What do you think? What do you think? Should I? What do you think? You know, whether it was my friends, my kids, my husband, you know, whoever. Uh, When you're in the middle of corporate, you have your posse. Like, I always had my posse. So it was the same, but then we had to get everything approved. Yeah. (laughs) And everything calendared and everything, you know, there was always fighting for what you thought would make the most sense. And, uh, you know, some of that was easier and some was harder. But now I don't have that many people that say, Bobby, that's not a good idea. (laughs) You know, a little scary, the thought. (laughs) And when you talk about an entrepreneur, I read that you said, what is an entrepreneur? Well, it's someone who dives right in and tries something. And if it doesn't work, try something else. You don't overthink it. You don't strategize. You just do it. Do you think there's a tendency when people are starting their ideas, the classic business plan, you have to have everything right, everything perfect, you know, before you start the venture? What was it like when you started Jones Road? You know, was there this, right, okay, I've got to trust my gut. I have been here, done this. I can do this. Well, it's very funny because people are constantly calling me. Will you talk to my friend? Will you talk to me? They've got a business plan. They have an idea. And I say, sure. And I sit there on the phone or on a Zoom and I see what they're doing. And by the end of the 20 minutes, when they've showed me their strategy deck and their how they're getting investors and their series A and their series Z or whatever happens, I say, do you have the product? No, I haven't done that yet, but I'm getting the money to develop it. So I'm like, well, how do you know that there's a business there if you don't have the product? Especially there was one girl that graduated from Harvard and, you know, who literally had done everything and was worried about how she was going to get PR and how she was going to get influencers to like it. And she wanted to do a sunscreen for women of color in, in, in a natural, like she had this whole thing. And I said, how do you know it's going to work? It might be pasty. She said, I don't know. And I said, but you just wasted all this time, money, and energy, and you've raised money. Mm. How could people give you money if there's not a product? (laughs) So, you know, I always say, if you have the best granola, like that's better than anything out there, give it away to your friends. If they think it's the best granola, that's the start of your focus group. All right? And guess what? 
go find a very cool little jar, put a cool sticker on, do some homework, pick a name that is not taken or make a name up, and then maybe start selling it. Go sit in your farmer's market. Go put it on Etsy. Just start that way. And once you have something, then I guess you could do a business plan, right? And raise money. As you're listening to this episode, I'm so glad you found your way to Conversations of Inspiration, and I hope you've taken some wisdom from it. Keep listening. It gets even better. Every week, we explore the highest highs and the lowest of lows of some of the nation's favourite founders, creatives and entrepreneurs as they share their stories with me. Having recorded over 130 episodes, there are so many incredible guests to choose from, every one of them sharing their experiences, advice, and my most anticipated part of each episode, a letter to their younger self. If you're not sure where to start, head to holly.co, where you can browse all our back catalogue by collection. There are buckets of podcasts you can choose from, such as Business as a Force for Good, to female founders, or perhaps hearing stories from those with dyslexia. Needless to say, this unique library has changed my life completely, and I'm positive it will have the same effect on you. Now, let's get back to our conversation of inspiration. I've spoken to a lot of female founders, and you know, one of the things that they have in common is this ability to communicate. Mm. You've said, you know, women are the first ones to who tend to ask for directions. And I loved hearing that. I was like... Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they, they, they don't worry about asking for directions. That means they, they communicate. Your first market research for Bobby Brown was in a park. Is that right? You just went up to people. Yes, I did. I went up to people. And honestly, I had a young baby at the time. And most of their nannies were from very different countries. So different skin colors, different lip colors. That was my first focus group. I'd give all these ladies, you know, some of them were girls, lipsticks, and I'd say, what do you think? And they'd come back saying, oh, my God. And I did the same thing with Jones Road. When I was developing the Miracle Balm, it was really in the middle of the pandemic, I had little teeny jars that I would start to see some of my friends outside for lunch for, you know, in the middle with our coats and freezing, and I'd give them these little jars. And literally in two weeks, they'd call me up and say, oh, my God. I need more. I need more. They just kept asking and asking and asking. And I was like, I think this is a winner. Yeah. So that was my first focus group. And, you know, certain things I didn't do that with, like I developed this pencil that I call the best pencil, which was kind of (laughs) taking a big leap of faith because, you know, I could definitely people say this is not the best pencil. And one big journalist in the UK wrote this love story about the pencils and said... I read it. And I know she's a really big deal. And she goes, this is the best pencil. I was so excited with that article. And it is. I just love the fact that women connect and are brave enough to connect. And this idea that you go up to people and you ask them and they tell you. And that actually, for anyone listening, that's exactly right. Test your product. Get it out there. If it starts... Really, sort of, you start to get random calls about 
Could they also have it? You're on to something. And that is when you can start to worry about your PR or your money investment or all those sorts of things. I'd love to know what other qualities that you think women have that are fantastic for starting a business. You know, I was talking to Sahar Hashimi, who started Coffee Republic, and she said that she thinks it's the age of the female entrepreneur, because actually there's so many things in today's society, when we look at the world that we're in, that we're built to do this now. You know, this this is our perfect storm right now. Would you agree? Oh, there's no question. And honestly, I study my husband, who's the most brilliant human I know. I was watching my chiropractor that every time I'd asked him a question, he would stop to answer me. My husband is so smart, he could do one thing at a time. I literally could be getting a mani-pedi now while I'm interviewing with you, while I'm writing notes about what I have to do later. We are multitaskers, okay? We are able to do many things at once. That is something that is so important for an entrepreneur to be able to do. Yeah. And not everyone, by the way, who's listening should be an entrepreneur. Because mm-hmm. guess what? Entrepreneurs need their, their partner who are not entrepreneurs. They need the, you know, the straight and narrow people that mm-hmm. bring our ideas to fruition. I, I couldn't do this by myself. In the beginning days, don't we? We have to be a jack of all trades. We have to do everything. And then we're able to sort of grow our business. And sometimes we can surround ourselves with yes people. And we can surround ourselves with people who just allow us to continue to do whatever we want to do. Some of the best advice I've had is from the people who are the opposite to me. You know, I started not in the high street with a business partner who was very, very different. We had the same values and vision, but we had different approaches. It meant that I could be getting on with something and she could be getting on with something. Do you think business partnerships are a really great way to sort of jumpstart into the world of business? Truthfully, because I've had business partners, I prefer not to. Mm -hmm. I'd rather hire people because, you know what, things don't always work out. Okay. I know more than one entrepreneur that has had partners where one of them eventually had to leave Mm -hmm. because it's tough. Same reason marriages don't work out. Some do, some don't. So it really does depend. I couldn't be doing what I'm doing without my general manager. Mm -hmm. You know, she has all the skills that I do not have. And, I, and she couldn't be doing it without me because I have the skills she doesn't. Yes. And so it's a very interesting relationship. Traditionally, um, in the beauty industry, the top jobs have always been held by men, despite around 95% of the workforce being female. I recently spoke to Marcia Kilgore, and I know that female entrepreneurs are basically increasingly breaking glass ceilings. I can imagine that things were quite different when you started out in business it must have been quite a male world. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. But honestly, I don't know why. I never realized I was a female entrepreneur. Yeah. I just thought I was an entrepreneur. Yeah. I never, ever, you know, thought that. And I remember going to one event very early on and some journalist asked me a question about the glass ceiling. And I had never heard the term and I had no idea what she was talking about. You know, you've broken the glass ceiling. And I was like, hmm, I I don't remember how I got out of that because it was some live news show. (laughs) But I remember my PR at the time had to tell me what the glass ceiling was. And I'm like, I never saw a glass ceiling. Like I never saw that I had to 
do something differently just because I was a woman. And I, I still don't, but I am so elated on this movement mm. of female empowerment is basically what it is and female entrepreneurship. And by the way, if you are a stay-at-home mom, I want you guys to feel that you are the best where you are because that's what you want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to judge just because you're not someone who's out in the workforce. I couldn't do the stay-at-home mom thing. I don't have what it takes. Mm -hmm. So I don't have what it takes to work full-time either, by the way. I am one of these people that has to constantly mix things up, which, you know, is a blessing and a curse. Tell me about that mixing it all up because, you know, I'm, I'm right now fascinated by the notion of changing the phrase, you know, wanting to have it all, you know, that the, this sort of, it's very, very, isn't it, shoulder pads, 1980s sort of, but actually women do want to have a family. They do want to maybe have their own businesses. They do want to mix it. And I, we talk about having this one life, you know, the 360. It's not work life. It's no balance, really. It's just one big pea soup that you hope that you're going to sort of survive in a day and thrive as well. How has that been in your career, mixing the two? Because it must have moments of tension and also, you know, the opposite of joy. Well, first of all, if anyone thinks that anything is easy, you're wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, my, my happy marriage of 33 years, my, you know, raising three kids, all of my businesses, and I don't care how successful and how much money you have, things are hard. I don't care who you are. So that's number one. And number two, it was sometimes unbelievable. It was often a mess, mm. you know, and, and me being worried that I'm going to be late to a meeting because, you know, my son had a fever in the morning and, you know, the, the babysitter wasn't there or my husband, you know, what, there was always something and you did the best you could. I mean, you know, my I'll never forget the day that I was coming home from Fashion Week and I was so exhausted. It was 8.30 at night and I noticed that my I volunteered to bring in googly eyes to the class the next day. And I'm like, oh, my God, all I worried about was being a failure, you know, with my kid's school. And so I called my husband up and he's like, I'm tired. I'm like, hung up the phone. I said to the driver, I was in a car. I said, go to whatever the store was. We get to the store. I run in. No googly eyes. I literally call four or five other store. Nothing. I sat outside on the ground of the store and I started to, to tear up and cry. And then I slapped myself in the face and I picked up the phone and I sent an email to all of my neighbors and I said, help. I need googly eyes for tomorrow's whatever. I got home. There was bags of googly eyes on my front step. Oh. I sent him in with my kid in the morning. I was like so proud of myself. He came home and I said, how was the project? And he said, oh, the teacher was sick. We didn't do it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I always, I've never shared that story. I always wanted to because I was resourceful. Yes. And I figured it out. Gosh. So, can you yeah. just, uh, sorry, but just, yeah, <laughs> that is just women all over. Yeah. That, uh, that is just the yeah. story of the woman, the working oh, yeah. woman. I'd love to touch on something else. Your brand has always been leagues 
I mean, leagues ahead of its time, championing diversity and helping women feel good about themselves. I read when researching you that your mother was your beauty role model. um, And I call it your diamond here and what I'm trying to develop in people when they think about their businesses, you know, finding their diamond. When you find the thing that, you know, you're most passionate about. So do you think that that's what you found? Is, Is that something that your mother gave you makeup? Was that your diamond? I mean, yes. I used to watch my mother, who was the most glamorous, beautiful woman, and 20 years old when I was born. So she was always very young. And I would just watch her use makeup to enhance and beautify herself. And I would do it on myself. So I could never look like her. I was never that kind of a beauty, but I did it so I looked better. And when I told my mom I didn't know what I wanted to do in my career in life, she or in my major in school, she said, forget about it. What would you want to do if it was your birthday and you could do anything you wanted? And by the way, I could have said, go to Paris. I could have said, go shopping for jeans. But I said, makeup. And she said, why don't you be a makeup artist? And I said, I didn't want to go to beauty school. She said, I'm sure you could find a college somewhere. And I did. I found a college that let me study makeup. They didn't have the program. I had to design my own program. Now it's called entrepreneurship. Yes. I mean, what would you want to do for your birth? I mean, those early days, so you, you found your diamond, you built your brand, you went from your first lipstick called Brown, is that right? It was yes. it was called Brown and was hugely popular. And it must have been one heck of a ride. Tell me about the extraordinary moment when Leonard Lauder, the chairman of Estee Lauder, approached you and basically gave you an offer you couldn't refuse because the brand was only four years old at the time. The brand was four years old and somehow we were the number one line at both Bergdorf Goodman and Neiman Marcus. And when things like that happen, you know, the corporations take notice. And Estee Lauder... I think it was the first time that anyone beat them in these high-end stores that were jewels to Mr. Lauder. And so when he called, I mean, it wasn't an overnight uh, relationship, but when he called and said, you're beating us, I want to buy you. And I said, we're not for sale. But then we quickly realized, um, not a bad partnership. So after four years, we sold the company and I remained an employee for 22 years. Uh, By the way, I don't know any founder who has sold a company and stayed. No, nor do I. Well, handcuffed into the company for 12 months, but no, not one that stays because they want to stay. I kept signing two-year, you know, uh, renewals because I didn't know. Yeah, you didn't know what... I didn't know, but I kept signing it for a long time. Is that right that he said that he saw much of his mother, Estee, in you? Yes. And that you basically almost feel like you revolutionize the way women saw themselves, you know, together, you know, because it's, it's quite a moment to have you and then this power behind it. I mean, you remained, didn't you? And you retained creative control. What was that like? As you said, every two years you renewed, so you must have been happy. You could have left it, could you, if you had wanted to go? Oh, I could have left, but it was my first baby. And I really, even though, you know, we sold it, I would go to work every day like it was mine. And I never, ever thought of it not being mine. And Leonard, you know, for many and most of the years, allowed it to be me. And I Mm. was able to call him and say, Leonard, this is what I need and I'm struggling with. Okay, you know, or or he would talk about it. And then, 
things changed, you know, like any big corporation, things change, people change and all sorts of things. And being the naive person, I always thought I could, I, I could fix this. Mm-hmm. I could, I could fix this. You know, I would just walk in with an imaginary pair of tape. Uh, you know, on on my arm, a roll of tape. And I'd say, okay, what do I have to tape up today? Yes. (laughs) Because things were falling apart. And, you know, at the same time that I was experiencing that, the beauty industry and our digital shopping, you know, experiences were exploding. Yes. So everything kind of happens for a reason. And when I left, I literally kind of looked around and said, oh my God, the world is changing so fast. And I want to be part of it. You know, I was really lucky that I was did a two-year stint as the editor-in-chief of a beauty magazine, a digital beauty magazine for Yahoo. It was an amazing experience. So I was able then to build my own online presence because I loved it. And I also was able to be a makeup artist again and joy in both of those things. Add into the mix, a best-selling author, nine books, What's it like, you know, because this is the amazing thing when you look back at your world, you know, what you've been able to be and do, you know, to, you just said, edit it, you know, an online magazine and, you know, write nine books, create these huge brands. To be an author, what does that mean to you? Well, it's really funny. So I've written nine books and this is the God's honest truth. I don't know how to type. (laughs) Okay. I don't know how to type, but I've written nine books and it's funny. I've I realized halfway through creating these books that it was so torturous for me to sit with the writer and write the books and do the outline and then do the photos afterwards. By the end of my book writing, I went into the studio, I did the photos first, and then I wrote the books. Right. You know, I think I've always been prepared for Instagram. I am like a highly visual person. I love images. I love photography. I love quotes. I love interesting, cool stuff. And so I've always approached everything in my life kind of through these pictures. And so, you know, before I even had Jones Road, I couldn't write about it. I opened up an Instagram Mm. and I just put all of my pictures and words and things. And I you know, would show my husband. Then I would show the product development person I wanted to hire. That's, and I would explain it. And by the way, when I give speeches or when I used to give speeches, I would literally have a PowerPoint of photos, no words. And I would go from one picture to the next and I would just tell stories. And that worked for me. Mm. Now when I give, I don't give speeches, but when I'm hired, I do a, you know, a fireside chat. I have talks and discussions. So I know what I'm good at. Like, I would never be able to do a TED Talk walking across the stage with a microphone. How do they do that? No. (laughs) And and, uh, by the way, I can't even listen to them. They're so boring. But, you know, maybe I'll do a 60-second TED Talk and tell people how confidence is about being comfortable in your skin and walk off the stage. And just walk off the stage. I just love it. We're coming towards the end. I wanted to ask you, what is it that keeps you going, keeps you driving forward? And is there any advice that you might share with those listening on how to pursue their dreams? And the context being, 
You know, when I started Holly & Co, my second business baby, I was turning 40, very obsessed with efficiency and squeezing the lemon, all the juice out of life. You know, I worked out that I had 29,000 days on this planet and I, and I thought... Okay, I can deal with 29,000 until I realized it was 14,000 because I, you know, had done that. And one of the things that I'm trying to do here in the UK and to anybody listening is to help us understand that every day we have is a true blessing and that if we're not happy, we have to change something. We can go for our dreams. This isn't sort of a fairy tale, that it is possible. So with that context, Would you tell us any of your advice to keep going and to keep driving forward? Well, for me, it's pretty simple. I don't have any hobbies. I don't play golf. I don't play tennis. I don't, you know, enjoy going to the theater in the afternoon. But I do enjoy challenges. I enjoy the visual creative part. I enjoy solving problems. And I'm highly competitive. Okay, so all that together. But my advice for most people is go slow. You know, there is no rush and anything that is going to matter is going to be just about doing it, Mm. not worrying about it, not talking about it, just doing it. And you just keep on something long enough and be open to shift if you have to be open to change things, but keep going. Just keep doing it. I mean, there's no other answer for success. And if it doesn't feel right, do something else. There's no such thing as an overnight success. There is not. And, you know, anything that fall, any rocket that goes up that quickly is going to come down. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 gosh, talked to you all day. You've uh-huh. been so kind. I end all my interviews with an analogy about running your own business being like an epic roller coaster. And you've got to have the stomach for it. What would you say has been one of your biggest lows if you imagined yourself on that roller coaster? Uh, The biggest lows. I mean, honestly, there's always those things. I mean, the biggest, I, I mean, honestly, the biggest low was when I left the brand. That was the hardest thing, mostly because I was really disappointed by people, mm-hmm. really disappointed by people that I trusted and thought were, you know, who I thought they were, were not. And that was probably my biggest disappointment. But like any good entrepreneur that you know, brushes themselves off, you realize there's a reason for these things to happen. And those people probably uh, needed to get out of your life. So you have room for new people. (laughs) I hear you. And conversely, your greatest high, Bobby. I mean, come on, there's no greater high than the birth of my children. You know, Um, you know, my greatest work high, honestly, is the success of Jones Road, because I am as shocked and elated and surprised, you know, as I don't know who else is, but I'm I'm pretty like thrilled and surprised. You must have a moment, and I won't tear up, that when you hold that charm that you wrote that date on, and now you're able to talk about it because it's actually happening. You're actually in it and you're saying you're the happiest version of yourself. That there is something about us believing that there is another way that we can propel ourselves into our dreams, however far in advance, you know, you were planning. So it must be quite a moment for you. Well, it's very funny. For whatever reason, I'm not wearing the charm. It's in my drawer. (laughs) I'm wearing my three Ds right now, which are my kids' names. But, you know, I'm also, as a health coach, I got my degree as a health coach. My advice to people, if you're eating chocolate chip cookies at night and they don't make you feel good, 
don't do it. Mm. <laughs> don't eat it. So it's the same thing with your, you know, your business and whatever it is. If it doesn't make you happy and feel right, don't do it. Mm. If it does make you happy, keep doing it. If you feel good e eating those chocolate chip cookies, keep having it. I feel great with the vodka every night. So I keep doing it. I yeah. feel fine. <laughs> Two vodkas, not as fine. One vodka, I'm okay. <laughs> oh, Bobby, thank you so much. It's that part of the podcast where I can't believe that you've prepared a letter to your younger self and that I uh, get to listen to you, the person who uh, I've dreamt about interviewing for three years. Uh, it's been an honour and a privilege, honestly, and what you've done for us women. We don't have many role models uh, and you're certainly mine and you're, you're certainly millions of women's. So just um, huge thank you from me to you for... Um, giving old Holly this moment. <laughs> oh, well, I really appreciate you asking me. So, and I'm going to try not to tear up during this letter because I don't really stop and think about so many things, but this letter um, kind of made me tear up. So should I read it now? Please do. Please. Okay. It'd be an honor. Okay. Dear Bobby, did you ever imagine how amazing your life would be in the places that your love of makeup would take you? Well, mom, dad, grandpa Sam, and Aunt Dallas did always tell you that you could do anything if you worked hard for it, never give up, and love what you do. And you know what? They were right. They believed in you, even when you didn't believe in yourself. And look at you now. Wow. I think you probably wouldn't even believe that your passion for makeup would take you around the world and give you the opportunity to launch a bunch of successful companies and do everyone's makeup from Michelle Obama and Meghan Markle to the Rolling Stones and even President Joe Biden. I mean, pinch yourself. Do you remember the times you didn't feel tall enough, skinny enough, or pretty enough to be in the beauty business? And when hanging out with the supermodels, who only went by one name, made you question why you were here? And all those feelings of insecurity, the crash dieting, and the stressing about the small stuff? What a waste of precious time. I want to tell you that even then, you were always enough. Just being authentically Bobby Brown, a five-foot-tall girl from the Chicago suburbs, was all you would ever need to feel confident, beautiful, and successful in your life. If I can go back in time, here are the things I would tell you. Number one, don't worry so much. Number two, never lose the endless curiosity. Always ask yourselves questions and talk to everyone. Number three, stay naive and always think things are going to work out. To this day, it is your special sauce. Number four, be nice always. It's what your parents taught you and it's never failed you. And five, trust yourself and follow these mantras I've spent the last three decades developing. They're short and simple words to live by and trust in, in both makeup and in life. So here goes. Stop obsessing about your flaws. Focus on what you like to do. Move your body every single day. Be nice. Help someone else. Highlight the positive. Try a new food. Put a cucumber in your water and drink all day long. Use a little coconut oil in your hair. And lastly, master that smoky eye. So Bobby, stop thinking so much and just get to it. <laughs> So, <laughs> aw, <laughs> I didn't cry. <laughs> 
I think it's just I feel overwhelmed, Aww. you know, talking to you and um, hearing your soul and um, that I get to be this lucky. I'm, Aww. you know, but I'm no, not... but how lucky are we that we get to meet each other and all these amazing people yeah. who have journeys and stories? Yeah. And, you know, guys, the world is a wonderful place. Just be nice to everyone. <laughs> yeah. And just, you know, this will touch so many people, Bobby, Aww. because you're, you know, you're just you. And so for us, we look to you Aww. and to hear a bit of your soul and that we get to hear it is just a total wonderful moment. And so thank you so much for your time today. Aww. And we'll be there cheerleading you on, um, you know, with your success of Jones Road. And uh, and my mascara is not running down my face. Can you see? <laughs> oh, it's not waterproof, <laughs> but it really does stay on. Thank you. And Holly, I look forward to when I'm finally coming over to open a pop-up. Oh, yes. Somewhere interesting, or if I could find a place on Jones Road, um, promise me you'll come have tea with I me or, promise. or a martini, either one. I would, choice. and a shot of vodka, whatever you choose. Uh, thanks, Holly. If you've enjoyed my conversation with Bobby Brown, I'd love to suggest listening to my chat with Joe Fairley, founder of Green and Blacks. You can find all of my past episodes by searching Conversations of Inspiration wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed listening, if it's helped or inspired you, would you mind rating and reviewing? Your support really does mean the world to me. It helps spread the word and will inspire more people to build a life they love. And for all our latest news, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter, Holly's Desk Notes, over at holly.co.